Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of EMC2 Learning, the greatest community of educators around. Well Played is part of On Podcast Media Network, and we're so thrilled to be part of that crew. So definitely check out the other podcasts they have there. Uh, today is season five, episode 13, lucky number 13, and we have a guest. We've been doing some solo shows. I'm excited to have a guest again. We have Ryan Stevens with us, and uh, we are discussing kind of making changes to an established game. So if you are a new gamifier, this, this is, you might still be able to like take from this in terms of pruning some of your own decisions as you build out a game, and if you are a long-term gamifier, listen up. But without further ado, Ryan, thanks so much for coming here today. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back on the on the podcast and excited to talk about making these changes uh, when you feel like you need to kind of change it up just a little bit in your game. We and we should, right? Like this is yeah. this is a piece that it's it's healthy to sort of prune out some of the things that either weren't working or didn't sort of come with the right pop or sizzle that you wanted it to, or it wasn't worth the sort of time investment that you were making into it. So always keeping an eye towards that change, I think is a healthy thing. And that doesn't necessarily mean failure. I think a lot of times I learned through those processes, but also knowing when to let go is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I think of just, there. there's moments when we as teachers, we, we see this, even if you aren't a gamifier and in your lessons, when you're like, oh my gosh, that lesson fell flat. It wasn't that it was bad content or bad pedagogy. It just didn't strike the right chord. Maybe there's something I need to adjust. And it's always healthy to have that reflection piece to say, all right, did this work the way I wanted it to? Can I make some changes that is going to make it more engaging and get more kids uh, hooked on the learning process? So I guess with that said, getting sort of started, uh, here we are for those of you catching this podcast at a random time. Ryan and I are kind of at the top of summer. We have, you know, quite a bit left. And this is a natural time, I think, to sort of reflect over it. But I'm curious, how do you begin that process of sort of looking over and, and kind of making the keep pile and the let go pile? You know, like if, if we were if we we're going to give to St. Vinny's here, like what, how do you do that with intellectual property? Yeah, um, I think... One of the first things I did is I went and I talked to my students who were heavily invested in the game. And I know we always want to talk with our kids uh, and get insight from all the kids, the kids who are heavily invested, the kids who are just kind of dabblers with the game, uh, the kids who are eh, kind of engaged with it. But I like to start with the ones who are heavily invested because a lot of times they can give me some good insights of did I overly complicate something? So a prime example of this, this year, I started this idea where I wanted the, uh, all of the assignments for a particular uh, unit to be in a Google slide deck uh, as a mission briefing. So I go to Slides Mania, I get this great template, I start you know, making all these edits, I insert video of, you know, of myself as Indiana Jones as the whole thing, doing a lot of video editing, put it all in there, and we roll it out. And the first thing kids told me is, it takes forever for this slide deck to load. And then I went and I looked, I said, Oh, that's because that slide deck is 25 slides long and it's got video and all of these images in it. And they said, 
and we have to go through the website to get to it. So that's another click and all of this. Could you just have it on the website? I was like, oh my gosh, I'd never even thought of that. Something so simple as just having that information there and playing with it um, through, I use Google Sites for mine, but just playing with it from that perspective. So a lot of times I start with those kids who are heavily invested. I think because that's what I, okay. I love this sort of idea of interacting with your kids because they they are the I always say to my students you're like the ones that have played this like I I have designed it but I have never been a player in my game like and having just open conversations not just the fun stuff I mean my kids would love to talk about items they could add to the game and and do that that's good but also talk about those frustrations talk about those pain points because sometimes smoothing those out can just make a better overall experience. And some of those pain points have to be there. Like kids will be like, well, like, why can't we do this? And it's like, well, because it would break the game if you could do that. However, that sometimes can be where an item gets made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you talk about an awesome like pain point. I had this break, this trap set up in my game with this character and the kids would click on it and it would launch them into this digital breakout in the middle of a, you know, one of John Meehan's uh, QR break-in templates or designs I used and kind of modified. But the kids were like, oh, that's awesome. But now shouldn't they be able to like defeat this character? I said, but if you defeat him, then I can't use that character later. And they were like, but he's a bad guy. I said, maybe, <laughs> but maybe he could be a good guy too. And you never know. And that would, so it makes it a trap. And so just talking through that process with them about where my mind was going and what they could see it as uh, helped me out a lot just to realize, okay, that means I need to make certain that this character exists in other places when it could possibly help them. Otherwise, it, it is just a, a one-off yeah, thing. Yeah, it is just a villain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, that's, that's really good. I, for my students – you know, hearing for them, uh, for example, one change that I made throughout this year was uh, my side quest. And I talked about that an episode or two back. And uh, I, I thought giving them a huge amount of choices was going to be a great thing. I was going to be like, boom, here are like 20 side quests you can do this unit. And the feedback actually was like they prefer it when it is like smaller chunks. And and getting that exactly dialed in correct is something you have to play with because just offering one isn't the right thing. Just offering two is probably not the right thing. Offering 20, not the right thing. Somewhere in between there is the right answer. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, as we're talking with kids, don't just focus on those kids who are highly invested with it go and talk to the kids who maybe aren't quite as invested in the game. It hasn't struck a chord with them yet. Find out what it is. Um, maybe it's that, Hey, a side quest feels like just a bunch of extra work. And while, yeah, it is, we, we know that, but it's helping them to see that, Oh, but this is what can come out of it. And I think, you know, I had kids who, uh, this year, like level four in my game is a huge step because it means you can work with other people. And when kids saw that, they're like, wait, I'm only 100 XP away? Well, wait a minute. How can I get there? And I said, there's a whole bunch of side quests out there. And they just started clicking around on the website. They found one. Boom. Did it. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Boom. This hits you. Now you're at level four. Now you can work with somebody on every assignment the rest of the way. 
And all of a sudden I took a kid who was sort of, eh, sort of invested and turned them into a kid who was actually invested in the game just by making that one little awareness piece. I love the idea of making sure you're having those conversations, those rich discussions about your game, about your pedagogy to all the learners, not necessarily all the learners at once have targeted conversations, have invite some kids in for recess, go out to recess with them, go to their lunch table, whatever the case may be and have that conversation. That's super nerdy. Like tell me all the items you want, right? Like to the kids that are super invested, but then also turn your attention to the ones that aren't and actually have, I think, meaningful heartfelt moments of like what is it that's missing here or hey i noticed ryan you haven't done any side quests what what is it that you love to do and then really challenge yourself to try to like listen and then build that out so that ryan all of a sudden feels like yeah i am going to do that quest like he he knows that i super love drawing and this quest is like hand tailored to someone that wants to do drawing because ultimately your side quests are extra like it doesn't matter if only Ryan's the only one that does this, or it doesn't matter if it doesn't hit 27 curricular goals, like you're making a connection with Ryan. And that is the more important part in that moment. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think that that's the important thing. You've built a relationship with kids. You've shown them that they are just as much a part of the design of the classroom and the game as you are. And I think that's a key bit. I would say as you start having these conversations, have a device available or a notepad or something because when kids come up with ideas, a great way to be authentic and show them that you are invested in what they're suggesting is start jotting down their ideas. Even if it means, hey, I'm just typing it into a spreadsheet right now or I'm just writing it down on a legal pad while I'm kind of getting some ideas, that shows through your actions that you're invested in what they have to say. It also saves you the time of trying to remember. <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to also say like if you can, if your kids are old enough, if you're if if they have the capacity, I'd actually encourage one of them to sort of be a note taker and like involve the note taker, right? So as they're like, "Hey, did you get that down, Ryan?" like that is super awesome. And then like 10 minutes later in the conversation be like, "Ryan, can you like go through again some of the like pain points we're talking about?" And like then Ryan reads off like do 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 and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's good. I'm going to make sure I do that." And then at the end of the conversation say, "Hey, can you you know, share that Google Doc with me and we're actually going to keep that as a live Google Doc because I think we should have this conversation again. Would you guys mind if we have this conversation again, you know, maybe in a, another quarter?" And they're all like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." So uh, it's a great way to show your intentionality, but really bring everybody to the table, even when they have skin in the game in terms of having to take some notes. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, as you were talking, Michael, I'm like typing on my notes on my phone exactly to do that, to create a special advisors team of, of kids that rotates. You know, you get advice from a lot of different kids who sit in on it, but always having that Google Doc available for the note taker to jot um, information down and ideas. I think that's important. It's that little skin in the game that all of a sudden yeah. they, they actually had to type that idea out. They like want to see it come to life. And then when you make sure you build out those ideas or some of those ideas and then refer to it, you know, say two weeks later, hey, we added this whole new item or there's this whole new type of quest. I've never done a, you know, Play-Doh quest before. Now we're doing like we have like three new Play-Doh quests because we talked to Ryan and, you know, Susie and they really said they want they love play-doh and they haven't played with it since they were a kid and we thought why not we have all these other creative ones and like you just inserted a whole ton of social capital there in 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 those kids like those kids feel kind of honored like hey this is this piece of this game is me and the rest of the kids hear that you are responsive to them that's huge mm -hmm. 
Absolutely, it is. Um, and then the hard part becomes, like you said, now you've got to actually go through, okay, what do I prune? What do I build? Um, you know, what needs to be just maybe modified slightly? And you take that list and you start kind of, I kind of start from a backwards design, if you will. Um, I look at whatever unit we're on right now and say, is there anything I could change this year for the kids who have made these suggestions in the upcoming units? And I start kind of looking through that. And then if I feel like I've made those changes or if there's not much that I can do there, uh, I'd start looking back, okay, so what are some previous units? How can I do that? And is there a way I can get my current players back to that previous unit to maybe access that item or that quest or whatever mechanic I want to throw in there. Um, and that's kind of how I, I went through that process of starting to revamp um, my game a little bit because it was all over the place uh, with way too many things. Um, I discovered that I have so many passions that trying to put them all into one game is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the storyline gets confusing, it doesn't flow, it doesn't make sense, and it just feels like school in a, you know, you know as, as John calls it, uh, chocolate-covered broccoli. I mean, that's mm -hmm. really what it felt like. Um, so I just kind of started revamping the website and revamping everything um, that surrounds it. I even uh, tweaked my game manual. I think it went down from like 30 pages. I think now it's down to 12. I think it's down to 12 slides now. So... Um, so this idea of a game manual is kind of an interesting thing that Ryan does. And it is a very thematic, beautiful Indiana Jones sort of themed out, uh, game manual that walks you through sort of the story walks you through some of the things that are exciting that are coming. So there's a little bit of like foreshadowing little like, Ooh, these characters are going to pop up. These bosses are going to be, have to be defeated. Uh, and, and goes through a lot of the rules and sort of requirements. But I would imagine the intentionality that it takes to develop something like that had you, you had to focus on your game, right? You had to focus on the rules. You had to focus on like, oh, I should smooth that out, right? Like that, talk, talk to us a little bit about just the creation of that and what that did for you. Yeah, so it, it started from like, as with many things with gamification, my own youth and playing video games. And my brother and I were like, we were subscribers to Nintendo Power with like the original 8-bit yes. Nintendo. And so we were like, we loved every time a new strategy guide came out and we got all these deep dives into games. And I thought, how could I provide that experience to my students? So I started it from that premise. And I realized that it's incredibly detailed. It has everything that you could possibly need. And while that's awesome, for my students, what it came across as is, this is a lot of reading that can help me a little bit. And I thought, that seems to me not really a good reward time uh, balance for those kids. Yeah. So I thought, how do I, how do I condense this? So there's a few things I looked at that and I said, okay, we don't need this in here. This is like classroom expectations. Okay, maybe we can just cut that out here. That can go separate. We'll talk about that in a separate way. That doesn't need to be in the game manual. Yeah, How do I shoehorning it in there. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to just throw everything and say, here, if you read this entire 30-some-odd slide deck, you'll know everything you need to know for class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that to me, one is way 
too much time invested. And while yes, there was a huge amount of intentionality and it helped me know kind of where I wanted the game to go. At the same time, I thought that I just robbed the explorers and that sense of discovery of the game from so many kids, because if they, all they have to do is read it. They're like, Oh, well, this is what I'm doing instead of getting a chance to, Hey, if it's underlined or a picture, it's probably clickable on the website. Give it a shot. See what happens. And that to me, I think is a rich experience that I didn't want to deprive kids of. So I started kind of pruning that down, but still trying to figure out what needs to be in there. And it's still very much a work in progress about how do I decide all of that. I'm like, for those of you that are thinking about adding a game manual, or if you're just getting started and you're thinking how to roll this out and this sounds good to you, while I think having a sort of spot in which you can get some understanding of the game is a valuable add. I do want to say there is a cautionary tale, like Ryan pointed out there that like, maybe I'm defending the type of gamer I am. I am an explorer and I, I don't want to know. I like, I, I want to come in and be like, Oh my gosh, we're having this boss. Like what, I, what is that? So with that said, I want you to know that there is a, a practice out there. It's not necessarily for gamification. It's for a lot of things. It's called cascading information theory. And it's this idea of kind of getting what you need in the moment you need it, as opposed to how we tend to do school. Like we're trained at like, no, give them everything. Like make sure before your kid leaves to do the homework that they understand exactly how to do the homework. Where like cascading information theory would would be almost the reverse of how we're trained as teachers. Like give them a little nugget, they'll ask questions and then you'll go to the next. Like if you think about like the the pouring of the champagne glasses down, right? Like you're going to yeah. give them just that first and you're going to fill it up and it's going to pour yeah. over the side and they're going to have some questions and that's when you're going to give them the next two glasses. You don't need to give here, here's 12 bottles, right? Like you, you just do those glasses and uh, I think it's an important thing to think about. So, you know, find, striking that balance, it sounds like you've done a good job culling that down a little bit and finding that sweet spot for you and your your kids. But I just wanted to put that out there for everyone else. No, no, that's a that's a great point. Like I, with the original version of it had like, hey, here's a description of this unit. Here is the name of the adventure path we're going to do. Here's the name of the boss we're going to fight. Here's what their abilities are, how many health points they have, um, and all of that. And then it was like, like you said, it hit like a thud when those events happened. Because then it was like, oh, yeah, we finished this unit. We know we're going to this location to do this break-in and... Uh, yeah, we're going to do these stations and it's going to take us two days or three days. And then we're going to jump into this mission and these are the missions we have to complete. And it just became this, yeah, I just created a syllabus that is sort of themed. Yeah. And when I think about how my kids talk about it, like I know people might not believe it, but it is crazy when we finish a unit or when we we're not even done with the unit, right? And they'll start asking like, hey, so we know the the test or the project's due tomorrow. When is, and then insert, like they know what unit's next. They know we're going to Greece next or whatever. But they'll be like, when when does that start? And you're like, well, we're going to, you know, we'll have the like review day and then we're going to like take the test. So maybe next Monday. And then they're like, so is next Monday, is that when the, that area of the website because they know with each new unit there's like a a release of 
here are the new side quests. Here are the adventure path. And here are some hidden quests. All that stuff doesn't exist yet. And they're they're chomping at the bit. They're like, when is that going to get released? And I love that 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 moment that's built there. That they they're excited about a release of my next content challenge for them. Right? They they want to hear about it. And then once we start the unit, it doesn't stop. Then they're like, hey, when are we going to talk about what the the adventure path is? Because all of my adventure paths are pretty nebulous. Like you don't know what it is. So there's a day in a class where I like to talk about it. And I keep it nebulous, but they still love that talk. They love that day where it's like, today you're going to have to decide if you're on or not on that adventure path. And I love those moments. So I wouldn't want to, like you said, I wouldn't want to syllabus it out, you know? Exactly. I, I want it to be, I wanted that manual to be, what is the basic, like you said, that cascading information, what do you actually need to know? And so I thought, okay, you need to know kind of the, the, the MacGuffin to use the, the, the movie term, you need to know the MacGuffin. You need to know the basic story. Uh, you, you probably need to know how items work and what badges are and what, what I call fortune and glory quests are. And I thought, is there anything else you would really need to know? I thought, no, because everything else comes in those moments when you, Hey, I clicked on this and it set me here. Oh, See, you discovered a trap, so that just sent you to Salem 1692. So your whole squad's got to finish that breakout before you get back to this break-in. Well, I don't need to put that in the manual. Yeah. Because you know there are going to be kids that still have the question anyways. So you're still going to have to do the the in-the-moment teaching. You haven't saved yourself any time, and you removed the surprise. Exactly. And and in that example, it's, it's a trap. It's supposed to be a trap. So it's literally, I designed it for the purpose for those kids who wanted to click on everything on the website. So I said, how do I make that just a little dangerous? It doesn't have to be terrible because I do want kids to explore, but just a little dangerous to click on it. I love it. Uh, So this is a good, I mean, this is a really good thing to think about in in pruning those kind of things out. For me, I want to think about this next year, I have to figure out more from my school what kind of year we're having because last year being kind of this hybrid year, there were changes to my game that some changes I really liked and I actually think I would keep no matter what. But there are other changes where it's like, oh, like that is going to definitely be shelved and not used again if we're back in person, like 100%. We were hybrid. So like we always, we were back in person, but you always had to think about these like five, six, ten students that were online and game wise that became a thing. Um, and I tried to like pull it into the game, but again, if we're not doing hybrid, well then I had some items that like mattered if you were in person versus online. Well, now like that won't be a thing. So that in one hand is going to free me up to add something else. So what am I going to like, that's getting pruned for me. Now, what am I going to add in its place? Yeah. Uh, I would agree. Like we had, we were, we were remote for a bit and then we came back in hybrid, but I always had one section of fully remote kids um, the whole time. And then when we were in hybrid, we saw half the kids um, each day. And so it got to be a thing where like, oh my gosh, I had to start pruning out, hey, squad challenges aren't going to really be a thing. I I had one, (laughs) one hybrid section where there were literally four kids (laughs) in the class it's really hard to do a squad challenge with four people. Yep. Um, that doesn't so, work. 
No, no, it doesn't. Um, and by sheer happenstance, when we had been fully remote and I, we had kind of assigned squads and everything, those four happened to be all in the same squad anyway. And I thought, well, I don't want to break them up just because we came back. So it, there were things that I thought, okay, what can I bring in? So I pruned out all, some squad challenges for a while and boss battles for the most part because it was just not uh, effective in our learning mode. But now that those are back, I had kids who were asking about that. They're like, hey, are you going to bring boss battles back next year? Are you going to do all of this? I'm like, yes, those are things that are all coming back. Um, but figuring out how items work together, making items more thematic, um, and really trying to tie it all together and make certain that the items make sense um, is another part of my summer is putting that spreadsheet together and say, okay, do I have an item that does this that I want to be able to do? Yes, I do. Um, but it was really designed for hybrid, so I need to fix that and bring that more to in-person. I love it. I think all of this is going to be important for everyone to th sort of think through whether it's hybrid or not. Uh, you know, we're adding a whole other layer on top of what students are doing. And so, again, the smoother that can run, like on one hand, I want you to reduce your game so that it's smooth. But at the other hand, I want you to reduce your game so that it's smooth, so that you can add new things, uh, and then smooth those out. And it's a it's a layering and smoothing, layering and smoothing, layering and smoothing, and eventually you can have a pretty rich, complex game where kids have to have all sorts of meaningful choices. Uh, but again, it's that layering and smoothing. Don't think that you have to get up to level seventeen of layering yet, like. That'll just happen over the course of doing a gamified class year over year. Uh, and your students will have more and more choice, more and more agency in your game. And it won't be super hard for you to run because it's that layering and smoothing, layering and smoothing. Uh, Absolutely. So that's, that's definitely it, a, a, a good philosophy to have. I like that idea of it. And, you know, this is, I'm entering year five of gamification. Year one was not this. It was mm -hmm. like, I've got some XP, I've got some side quests, and I kind of have items, and now it's it gets richer, and, and you just get more practice at it because you love designing it because the kids are engaged with it. 100%. Well, it is reflection time, and okay. today I'm excited because we have a quote from like a, a very famous person, and we have two history teachers here. Uh, this is by Winston Churchill. Uh, you ready? Uh, I'm ready. All right. To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. I love that. Like, well, yeah. Well, to, to spin, yeah. spin more what you think given on today's yeah. conversation. Well, we, we talk about like as, as teachers and even just as human beings, we know that like perfection is not true. Perfection is not attainable the, the way we tend to think of perfection but we're always pushing for it and in order to do that we've got to be willing to leave behind things like there's not sacred cows if you will um for it like you don't get to just say oh i have to hang on to this every single time because you may come a point in that pursuit of what you want to achieve that maybe that's got to go you know i think about like in my game i'm i love the national parks it's like a huge passion of mine but it doesn't work in my game. It just doesn't. Um, there's some elements of it that I'm probably going to keep just because they're nice little Easter eggs for me. Um, and some kids figure those out. But I had to be willing to let that go. 
And so because I'm willing to change and tweak and iterate every single year with this, the game gets better. And in the end, the experience becomes a perfect experience for the kids. And that to me is, I kind of think where that comes from. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd echo similarly that I think this, this one, I, I love that just right off the beginning to improve is to change. So getting everyone to recognize like change is a good thing. It is a growth. Uh, even if it means right out of the gate, there might not be a gain, uh, but we have to realize it's through a willingness to change that we as society, we as a culture, we through technology, all of it, whatever category you want to look at, we became better through change, right? Like staying the same doesn't produce like that better person. It means you're stagnant, right? So I like the first part. Second part, I agree with you. There is no like way you hit perfection. So the only way you can kind of get there is to subscribe to a sort of never ending cycle of change. That is how we, we, again, we have progress over time. Absolutely. Uh, it's a good so, lesson for too about the learning process always being continuous and feedback being a continuous thing. hundred uh, percent. All right. So everyone, thank you so much, uh, Ryan, for joining us today. Fun to have a, another like guest on like i said it's been like four episodes in a row of solo uh just trying different things it's year five let's try mm -hmm. new things uh but love having you here all right thank you so much for having me michael it's been a great time everyone else thank you so much for having well played be a stop on your sort of professional journey here i really appreciate it don't take that lightly and if you like what we're talking about here, if you like this space in place, there's lots of great resources out there from bloggers who are doing this. Uh, definitely check out people in the XP Lab community. Ryan's one of them who puts out these ideas, shares these ideas. So definitely check out Ryan, his stuff. Uh, I would be humbled and honored if you check out my book, Explore Like a Pirate. Uh, my business partner, John Meehan. Love it. If you checked out his Adrenaline Rush and we have a new book. I'm excited. This is like my first podcast in which I'm going to say it. We have a new book coming out, Fully Engaged, where John and I wrote this together. So definitely check that out. And because I have a little bit of extra free time, I also have a YouTube channel as well as EMC2 I mentioned at the beginning. Check that out. I promise I won't go through this huge list every time, but I just felt like it's time to celebrate. It's time to say that a little bit. Uh, everybody, I hope you have a great week and play on.